Hello, everybody. This is Common Sense Christianity again. This is my follow-up. Um, I created another follow-up, but I don't have the Bible in front of me, so I'm uh, going off the cuff, just trying to use common sense. Really not, I'm using scripture, but not, you know, going through the typical typical way of doing things, um, just sitting down, actually literally in my truck, um, using common sense, right? Going through scripture, what does is, what is common sense dictate? Um, you know, one of the biggest obstacles of understanding who God is, is not understanding the law of agency, like I was saying. Um, you know, when you don't understand the law of agency, then a lot of things don't make any sense, right? We don't understand why God dwells in unapproachable light. No, the Bible says no man has ever seen God or can see God. And the Bible says, God himself says you can't see his face and live. You know, he alone is immortal. He dwells in unapproachable light that no man can see or has ever seen. So when you understand these simple truths, then you don't start thinking, well, Jesus must be God in the flesh. You know, they saw him for 33 years. It doesn't say nobody can see the Father's face and live. It says nobody can see God. So for Jesus to be God, that would have meant that he saw his face for 33 years. It doesn't make any sense. You know, you can see the second person of the Trinity who's fully God and fully man, but you can't see the first person of the Trinity. You know, the, the first person of the Trinity can't come down from heaven in the flesh, but the second person of the Trinity who is fully God and fully man came down from heaven and existed with humanity for 33 years and basically did everything God the Father can do, but he did it as fully God and fully man. See, there's, there's, it doesn't, doesn't work. You know, I mean, if people use common sense, which is the focus of this podcast, and they don't use presuppositions, you know, I don't care about what I want. I couldn't defend something if it was just fake, right? I don't, I don't, look at things like the end will justify the means if I teach somebody something that's ultimately that verse isn't really what it means but if I get them to come to, to come to the understanding of the Trinity which I believe is true in my belief system if I was a Trinitarian those little white lies you know those that's not good you know we, we can't twist words and scripture just so we can have somebody believe something right so when we understand what the Shalia is in the Jewish law of agency, things make perfect sense. Like when the when the Bible says the angel of the Lord spoke in the burning bush, it doesn't say the angel of the Lord and God. It says the angel of the Lord spoke from the burning bush, and he's the one who said, "I am that I am." In Exodus three fourteen, it's it's an angel. You know, the Bible later says when the angel spoke from the burning bush, you know, it was an angel. So when angels are called Yahweh, then Trinitarians go, well, "That doesn't make any sense, really." You know what? That's got to be Jesus. You know, that's got to be Jesus in the furnace. That's got to be Jesus as the angel of the Lord, you know, because I don't see him in the Old Testament. So he's got to be there somewhere. That's got to be the pre-incarnate Christ. See, that's pushing theology into scripture. You know, if, they, if God wanted us to believe it was Jesus as the angel of the Lord, then he would say so. You know, the angel of the Lord, this particular angel was the pre-incarnate Christ. The angel of the Lord is also, like I said earlier, tells Joseph that she, that he's pregnant. You know, she's pregnant with with Mary. Mary you know, Mary Mary's pregnant with Jesus. 
so the angel of the Lord, you know, if you look at the Greek, it's the angel of the Lord. Does Jesus outside of his body, you know, telling Mary, hey, uh, telling Joseph that she's that he's going to have a son and Mary's pregnant when it's actually him. You know, Jesus is in the womb and he's he's outside, actually, of the body, but he's in there. It just there's so many problems with, with this. You know, when you have the, the understanding that Jesus is a man, like the Bible says, we will be saved by a man. Through one man, sin entered the world, and through another man, we were made righteous. It's a man to man. That's why God raised Jesus, you know, up from the dead, because he was, a, he was a rewarded for being obedient. Jesus did what Adam failed to do. Adam could have been sinless. Adam was perfect. Adam was made in the image of God. He had everything, but he chose to sin and and mankind failed and suffered because of it but god gave mankind another chance and and he had mankind a leader that was picked up from among the brothers that did what adam could not do and jesus suffered all of these things because he was not god if you think about it god is a three-person being in the trinity belief system right so in order for God to die in the Trinity belief system, if God is a three-person being who are all God, all three persons of the Trinity would have to die. Okay? You can't have the second person of the Trinity die and say God died because God isn't a one person of a Trinity. God is a three-person Trinity according to Scripture, to a Trinitarian. Right? God consists of three persons to a Trinitarian. You can't say God is alone with the Father, or God is alone with Christ, or God is alone with the Holy Spirit. All three persons have to equal who God is. So you can't start going into the weeds here and say, no, Jesus was everything about who God is. That's not true. So for God to die on the cross, which Trinitarian will say, God died for my sins. Well, the Bible fully states that God is immortal for one thing. God can't die, okay? God can't die. The Bible says Jesus died, okay? The Bible also said, like I said earlier, you can't see God's face and live. God said this. You can't see my face and live. Now, they pick and choose. A Trinitarian will say, well, that's part of Jesus was speaking as God in certain parts of the Bible. And then this was the Trinity speaking or this was the Father. They pick and choose, you know, it's not, it's God the Father is speaking all the time as God, you know, when it doesn't specifically say it's an angel, right? So, I mean, there is points where God speaks, but when God, but it, you know, it'll talk about an angel of the Lord or, you know, an angel comes down and speaks to people. Those are angels, you know, God, when it says the Lord spoke and he's speaking face to face with somebody, it's, it's an angel, you know? An angel of the Lord comes down, he speaks to, to men, he speaks to women, he guides them. That's what that's what ministering spirits do, right? Um, so back to my point, for God to die in the Trinity belief system, all three persons of God would have to die for God to die. Otherwise, just the second person of the Trinity died for your sins, right? And who was on the cross if God can't die? You know, the Trinitarians would say he had a dual nature. He was fully God and fully man in his flesh died. Well, that, that makes his sacrifice even less than that of a full human being because a full human being would experience full death. Is everything about him would die in order for a 
God to die in the Trinity belief system, all three persons would have to die. But that didn't happen. So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, died, and he didn't really even fully die. Only his flesh died. His humanity died. His divinity didn't die, right? So that's not even that's not even a real full death. You know, everything gets really weird. Everything gets really bizarre. You know, you've got this God man that's running around telling everybody that he doesn't know the final hour, but that was just his humanity speaking. You know, he's telling everybody that God created man and woman, but he really did. You know, he's just, he's, Jesus is a very sly little guy in the Trinity belief system. He's got the poker face on 24 hours a day. You know, he's pulling off all these riddles and all these little clues. You know, he probably goes home at night and think, <laughs> you know, I pulled a fast one on those people. I'm not going to tell them I'm God. I'm going to do them little riddles. You know, they're going to have to really dig, you know, before Abraham was born, I am. See what I mean by that? You know, and they're going to go, oh, we think, you know, what we, we think we know what you mean. You know, you must be Yahweh. You know, before Abraham was born, I, uh, Yahweh, before Abraham was born, Yahweh. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to tell them that it's not my doctrine. It's not my words to speak. I don't know the final hour. But guess what, guys? I'm God Almighty. You know, so if Jesus was a Trinitarian and Jesus was God, he was the most deceptive teacher in history. You know, he didn't say he was God. He didn't teach him a Trinity. But yet that's the foundation of what he wanted to accomplish. He was a failure. Jesus was a spectacular failure if he was a Trinitarian, okay? I don't mean to sound mean, but that's the truth. That was the truth. And the reason why I can say that is because Jesus wasn't a failure. Jesus was very clear on who the only true God was, and it's the Father, the Father alone. So when people start deviating from that and, and think they know better than Jesus, if they won't even listen to Jesus, why on earth would they listen to anybody else like me or anybody? You know, they won't listen and they're covering their ears, la, 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 la. You know, they don't want to pay attention. You know, Jesus didn't include anybody else in the only true God. Father, let them know you, the only true God, and Jesus, the Messiah, who you have sent. A Trinitarian will twist it and go, see, he said, and Jesus, the Messiah. You know, they add all these things. Well, no, you can, can't get away with that, you know. And in first, first John 5.20, a Trinitarian will twist this verse too. And it says, the one who has come is, you know, the one who has come has told us about the one who is true. And that, this is Jesus telling us about the Father. You know, I can break it down for you really quick. I'll get scripture out on my Bible app here, and I'll go through that with you. And you're just going to have to take a second if I'm driving, but I'm going to go ahead and pop this verse up. But a Trinitarian will take this verse, and they will twist it, and they will use it to what they want it to say. You know, and I'll explain this, what this verse means. So... Bible says, Bible says, and we know that the Son of God has come to give us an understanding to know who to know him who is true. Okay, so this breaks down, and we know that the Son of God has come to give us an understanding to know him who is true. It doesn't say that Jesus is true, right? Jesus has come to give an understanding to know him who is true, not Jesus who is true. Okay, so we already have one person who is true, and it's not Jesus, right? Okay. In his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, who? The one who is true has a son. In his son, in his, the one who is true, son, Jesus Christ. Okay. And it doesn't go, and then it goes, this is the true God, eternal life. Well, just because it says in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God, eternal life. A Trinitarian will bend that. See, it says this is right after Jesus. That's not how it works. Okay. We'll read it again. 
And we know that the Son of God has come and give us, give us an understanding to know who, him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his, his, the one who is true, Son. Okay, then it says, this is eternal life. This is the true God and eternal life. Okay, so the one who is true has a son. And he tells us about who the true God is, and that's the Father. And if you read John 17, 4 and 3, it parallels this. Father, let them know you, the only true God. Okay, a Trinitarian will twist 1 John 5, 20 and turn John into a lunatic also and make John into somebody's deceptive while John is saying the father is the only true God and now Jesus is the one who is true and he's the true God in eternal life you know this is the desperation and the spiritual blindness that is caused by the Trinity again break it down and we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding to know him who is true okay, that's the father and we are in him who is true in his son his, they're still talking about the one who is true, the Father, okay? And then they say, this is the true God and eternal life. It doesn't say Jesus is the true God, eternal life. That's a completely perverted reading. And that's just mental, you know, that's just a reading comprehension problem, right? It's just like in the book of Titus. And we can turn to book, the book of Titus, you know, 2.13, I believe it is, where they make Jesus our God and Savior. That's not what it says. That's not what Paul says. Paul writes book of Titus and he always lists Paul always lists the um, God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior in the second in the same in the same sentence right so if we if we read uh, the book of Titus we start off in the first chapter right so we start off with and I'll pull it up here it says um, Paul a servant of God and the apostle of Christ. So Paul talks, he's starting off in the beginning, separate God and Christ from separate, right? So it says right here, uh, you know, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and knowledge and truth, which according to godliness. So it talks about grace from grace and peace from God, the father and Jesus Christ, our savior. That's in Titus uh, one, four, right? To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Notice the Holy Spirit's not in there also, right? So Paul is including God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Okay, so we establish that God the Father is God and Jesus is our Savior, two people. So you keep reading, you keep going all the way down. Now you go to the second book of Titus 2, right? And so it says right here that, um, that we have waiting on our blessed hope, the appearance of glory of God, of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. It doesn't say our great God and Savior, because if you look at other translations, it's our great, our great God and our, of our Savior Jesus Christ. There's separation you know, of our great God and Savior. It's not, you know, this is the reading comprehension problem that the Trinitarian belief system creates, right? It creates all of these confusions and contradictions when one person's called God and now Jesus is God and all of these things. Remember when the Bible was written, 
you know, in the Hebrew and Greek, there were no punctuation, right? It was all uppercase letters. There was no periods. There was no commas. So when you put a comma in a place, it creates problems, you know, or, or when you put something that's not supposed to be there, it creates problems. I mean, you know, if you look at when Jesus said, on this day, you know, you will be with me in heaven, you know, so... What a Trinitarian will do is they'll look at that and they'll say, well, Jesus was with the, 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 the robber in heaven on that day. No, it says, I tell you on this day, you will be with me in heaven. Not, I tell you on this day, you will be with me in heaven. There's a comma. So on this day, I tell you, you will be with me in heaven. Not on this day, you will be with me in heaven, right? There's a huge difference. A comma makes a huge difference. So it's the difference between Jesus saying that on this day you will you will be with me in heaven, which is is lunacy because Jesus was under the earth, you know, for how many days? Three days, right? So how could he be up in there in heaven with with the the, the robber, right, or the thief, you know? So uh, you know that's that's just something that people have to look at as as common sense. The Bible also says no man has has appeared in the heavenly realm. You know, everybody's asleep. So if no man has seen God except for Jesus, then you know, nobody's up in heaven with God right now. You know, Jesus was the first one raised from the dead. You know, what would make sense that, that you know, the, the, the thief on the cross was, what, the second one who was raised from the dead? I mean, that doesn't make any sense, you know? So, no, it's, it's the period, you know, just on this day, you will be with me in paradise. I say to you, Today, you will be with me in paradise, right? So let's go through this. I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Or I say to you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. See the difference? I say to you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. Or I say to you, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. See the difference there? There's a big difference between... Having somebody say, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Or I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we need to, we need to use common sense here. Was Jesus, what happened to Jesus when he died? Did he, did he go down to Sheol? Didn't he? Or did he, did he, was he really dead? I mean, he talks about having gone on the earth, right? So where was he for three days? What about the 40 days that he came back and was speaking to, to everybody when they saw him? Wasn't he alive for 40 days? I mean, where was the blind man? You know, I mean, this is the common sense that I'm talking about, right? Where is the common sense when people read scripture? You know, we need to look at the Bible and think of things. We can't just start going off in the deep end. We got to think, why would God deceive the Jewish world for thousands of years? Why would he? You know, why would why would the Bible say no man has seen God when when clearly... You know, I can pull it up again. I'm driving, like I said, I'll, I'll go through my Bible app. Uh, you know, and excuse me if I'm if I'm stumbling here, but I'm trying to pull stuff up as as I drive. Um, I'm not texting or anything. I'm just trying to pull it up. So when when people, you know, in uh, Judges Judges 13, 20, you know, 21, 22, when uh, when uh, and I'll read it here. It says. And the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Mona and to his wife. Then Moana knew that he was the angel of the Lord, right? And Moana said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. Okay. Did they see God figuratively or literally? Did they really see God? No. 
it says specifically they saw the angel of the Lord. Okay. And it says we have seen God. Okay. Was the angel of the Lord God? Now a Trinitarian will go, they, their minds explode. They, their brains can't comprehend this. So they think it must be Jesus, right? God it has to be Jesus. Okay. No, that's not what it, an angel of the Lord is considered to be God because he's a representative. He's standing on God's behalf. They don't think like, the Jewish people don't think like we do. You know, there's different ways to think and different words and different mannerisms and different customs. To a Jewish people, like they said, you know, a great prophet has done miracles and God has visited his people. So if we took that literally, they would think that the prophet was God. They don't think that. They see that maybe if, say, say put yourself in the situation. If I'm doing miracles and they're watching, they would go, God is with us. You know, God, look at this miracles this prophet is doing. You know, God is literally work. God is with, with us in that prophet. This is God. They would look at it and say, this is God. Because it is. It's God's work. It's God's miracles that he's doing in this man. And that's why the Bible says they were amazed that God did his, that God gave such authority to men, right? God gave authority to men to do all of these miracles. Moses parted the Red Sea. Did Moses really do that? No, God did. Did Jesus really heal the blind man? No, God did through him. Acts 2.22, miracles and signs and wonders. The Bible says, Jesus said, we will do greater works than he. Is that really literal? I mean, are we going to do greater works than God? No, you know. So, again, common sense. A lot of this is repetitive. I keep going over things, and sometimes it's just because I'm having a conversation. I don't have, a, I don't have an introduction. I don't have notes. I'm just driving. I'm just talking like a regular person would be. I don't have anybody answering me. But if I if I go over things that are repetitive, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll come up with more formal, you know, more professional outline later. But right now, I'm just trying to introduce some common sense, you know, and get somebody some understanding of of the Jewish law of agency, which breaks down why people saw God, but they didn't literally see God, right? There's no contradictions in scripture. The reason why they see God is because they see his agents. They see his agents. And, you know, when God rained fire down from God out of heaven, that's the angel of the Lord raining down with authority from God from heaven. There's no God doing all the stuff. He does the, his agents do his work for him, right? You know, just like I was saying earlier in Joe Biden, Joe Biden orders people to go out and bomb other countries. And it says, you know, Joe Biden's a murderer. You know, Joe Biden's a killer. Joe Biden bombed all this stuff. Joe Biden wasn't literally in the cockpit, like I was saying, pulling the handle. You know? That was his agents. That was his messengers. You know, when, when, when a messenger shows up, the U.S. military, that's that's Biden. That's Joe Biden. They're doing, if they disrespect the military, they're disrespecting Joe Biden. That's why in some countries, when, when they kill somebody, a hostage, the country takes offense to it. You know, it's basically a slap in the face to the United States if somebody boards a U.S. tanker and takes over the U.S. tanker and, and does things. That's that that's that's spitting in the face of the United States. Even though it's not the United States, it's a representative of the United States, right? This is I mean, this is very simple, you know. Um, you know, a babysitter analogy. They, they the babysitter is told by the parents that hey, I want these kids in bed at ten o'clock, and the kids hear it, right? And then the kids say, I'm not going to bed after the parents leave. They're disrespecting the babysitter. And they're disrespecting the parent by disrespecting the babysitter because the babysitter is that person's agent. They're, they're on that person's behalf, right? So 
That's why Jesus said, to see me is to see the Father. You know, he who sees me has seen the Father. You know, he who sees me has seen the one who sent me. It's the agent. You know, Jesus took, if you disrespect Jesus, you're disrespecting God. Okay. Not that Jesus is God, but if you disrespect Jesus, you're disrespecting the one who sent Jesus. Right. So that's why, that's why the glory, you know, you will, you will worship Jesus and honor him just as you honor the father, not as God. But if you don't honor Jesus, then you're not honoring God because God made Jesus Lord and Messiah. You know, you're disrespecting the will of God and the authority of God if you disrespect Jesus. So you will honor Jesus just as you honor the Father. Not as God, but if you disrespect Jesus, you disrespect God. That's what it means. You know, Jesus sits at God's right hand. God does not sit at God's own right hand. You know, the whole thing becomes a real convoluted soup sandwich and, uh, you know, just a bowl of mystery that you stir around and, and magically create this primordial soup that now is a trinity. You know, this is the, the God is a spirit. And, and so that must be the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is, and we think he's called God. And, you know, when you look at, when you look at the book, of, you know, when you look at Thomas, the book of John, right? Common sense, you know, Trinitarian will say, Thomas declared Jesus was his Lord and his God. That proves Jesus is God. No, that's a proof text. And common sense would interject and say, okay, do the apostles ever teach Jesus is God after he leaves earth? The answer is no. Do, do uh, Mark, Matthew, and Luke ever bring up Jesus is God as a riddle or a hint? No. So why did they run to the book of John? And immediately after... Thomas says this, my Lord and my God. John says, I wrote everything so you would understand that Jesus is the Son of God. So that would be completely anticlimactic if all of a sudden, here's Thomas. He sees Jesus was raised from the dead and Jesus is now God Almighty in front of him with puncture wounds. You know, that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and the truth is that they were, they were asking to see the Father. And Jesus said, you know, if you see me, you see the Father. He who sees me sees the one who, who sent me because the Father dwells inside me. And they kept saying, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I not been with you so long, Philip? You know, he who sees me sees the Father. So they kept asking to see the Father. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, Thomas finally understood. And he said, my Lord and my God my Lord Jesus, right in front of him, and God the Father who had raised Jesus from the dead. Physically, he saw Jesus. Figuratively, he saw God the Father's works through Christ, right? He's not going to ignore God the Father, and all of a sudden now Jesus is Lord and God. That doesn't make any sense. You know, the apostles don't teach us. That would have been a, a completely different revelation. Hear, O Israel, don't you understand? Jesus is God. They don't. Acts 2.22 they teach he was a man that God did his miracles through my Lord and my God. They don't say you are my Lord and God or you are my Lord and God or my Lord and God. It says my Lord and my God. And in Greek, it's actually the Lord of me and the God of me. And using the Greek words, it's really the only possible way they could have shown that it was two persons. You know, they did. They 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 in the in the Greek wording they use. It's really the only way that they could have really made sure that it was two persons. You know, it would be different if you said, my God and my Lord, and they addressed the Father different. You know, first, 
it would make kind of it would be kind of weird, right? If they said my God and my Lord, they would be addressing the Father first while talking to Jesus. That might be a little problem. I would I would have a little head scratcher on that. But when they see Jesus as my Lord, and then he says, My Lord and my God, it's obvious what he was talking about, you know, because the apostles say this in Acts 2.22, God the Father did his works through a man, my Lord and my God. And the Bible says we have but one God, the Father, and one Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus, like I was saying earlier, great, great you know, greetings from grace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior, my Lord and my God. You know, they're not going to deviate in the book of John and all of a sudden now Jesus is God. I mean, that's just silly. They're, you know, all these riddles, especially immediately after when Thomas says this, you know, these are written that you would understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You know, so that would, you know, I can understand if, G, if John wanted to say, this is written so you would understand that Jesus was God in the flesh. Boom, you're done. Now, if, if Paul, if, if, if John wanted us to understand this, this would have been the perfect time. You know, we, we, I wrote all this so you would understand that Jesus is God. We wouldn't even be having this podcast. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. It would be a home run, slam dunk, whatever you want to call it. Jesus is God Almighty. It would have taken the Apostle John five, you know, five words, five sentences even, to explain. Why doesn't anybody explain how Jesus was God? All he would have said is, Jesus came down from heaven as God incarnate. He is God Almighty, the second person of a three-person God, right? Boom, done. So why did God do such mental gymnastics? Why did he rely on such riddles? I don't believe in a trinity. Why? Because it's not there. Well, you know, God is not the author of confusion. Even a Trinitarian will use these riddles to patch it together. Why was God so misleading and, and, and confusing? You know? So when we go through all of these pieces of scripture, I can break down every one. You know, I and the Father are one. Well, yeah, in the context, Jesus is talking about protecting the flock. You know, you know, nobody can take them out of my father's hand and nobody can take them out of my hand. I and the Father are one. They're united. They're united in purpose. This, the Greek word is hen. You know, if you look it up, you know, other people, it says, he who plants and he who waters are one. If you look at the same translation in other, you know, the same verse in other translations, it shifts between one and one purpose. You know, I and my father are one in purpose can also have been used. You know, it's not I and my father are one God. And where's the Holy Spirit again? I and my father and the Holy Spirit are one. Where is the Holy Spirit? Why does he keep getting left out? He's like, he's like a bad, you know, a bad, you know, the black sheep of the family or something. He keeps getting left out of all of these greetings. He's not included. He's not worth told to worship. He's just this mysterious person who never even has a name. No love from the father or Jesus, never talked to. He just kind of, he kind of shows up and darts in and out, you know, he's really mysterious, you know, and, 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 and like I was saying earlier, why is God the father? mentioned but not the holy spirit and why is the holy spirit mentioned and not god the father you know it's because they're one and the same you know it would make no sense for god to have a third person doing all of his work dwelling inside believers god is perfectly capable of doing that himself it's spiritual he's not appearing to these people he's spiritually guiding them you know he can he can be up in heaven as his permanent abode and send down his spirit to, to as pieces you know i can he can direct say hey I'm going to pour out a little bit of my spirit to this area, right? 
I'm going to pour out a little bit of my spirit to this area. And he's dividing himself up, but he's, he's all over. He, you know, he can be wherever you want. So when it comes down as a dove from heaven, sure. You know, it doesn't mean that it's a third person floating down as a dove. You know, I mean, this is silly. You know, the Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived. Well, was the Holy Spirit the father of Christ? No, the Holy Spirit will come overshadow you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will conceive. Okay, so was the Holy Spirit, this third person, did he make Mary pregnant? You know, if it was, then you better call somebody up because Jesus is no longer the son of the father. He's the son of this third person of the Trinity. And we got some huge, huge problems because, you know, everything gets kind of weird. Jesus is not the son of the father. He's the third person. He's the son of the third person. And the third person is the father of Christ. You know, it gets really weird. Um, you know, that's the problem that we have, you know, and then, then, the, then it means that the Holy Spirit was referred to as the highest, you know. And so that's the problem is, is the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the father. That's simple, cut and dry. Jesus said, it is not, you know, it's not you. It's the father speaking through you. OK, so the father is speaking through Jesus. The father is speaking through the apostles, just like Jesus said, I can do nothing. The spirit of the father who speaks through me does his works. You know, the father dwells inside Jesus. Um, the father does his works um, in Christ, like Acts 2, 20, 22 says. Um, and he guides believers. It doesn't have anything to do with, with a, um, a God man. And I'll pull it up right here. Matthew 10, 20. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of the father speaking through you. So was God the Father and the Holy Spirit in some type of relay race? You know, God the Father was doing the works inside Jesus. And then after a little bit, God got tired or whatever or did a little shift change. And he passed it off to the role off to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who is going to be doing the work now. You know, so we had God for a while, God the Father. And now, now the Holy Spirit is the third person. You know, gotta, we got to use a little common sense here. Um, when we apply scripture, when we look at the Greek words, the Holy Spirit can be an it, it can be a she. You know, the Holy Spirit was was female in, in the book in the Old Testament, right? The Holy Spirit didn't go through a sex change, you know. So we can't take the Jewish belief system of who God is and twist it and pervert it and come up with our own version of God. You know, basically we're telling the Jews. You don't understand your language. You don't understand how many persons God was from the very beginning. God was actually a Trinity God. And one doesn't mean one. You know, it doesn't matter what you're telling your kids. One does not really mean one. It's a compound unity. It's, it's really a three-person God. You're making the Jews look stupid. You know, no wonder why Jews don't like Christianity is because it's, you know, and I, I don't mean to sound mean. And I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, trying to be mean to trinitarians but it's not biblical you know you can't find jesus being a trinitarian you can't find moses being a trinitarian you can't find anybody being a trinitarian nobody spokes of a three-person god ever ever in the bible it would be clear as day it would be a new revelation there would be evidence of it everywhere the bible would be littered with verses of a shalosh or a trinity or some type of third person god you know 
It's it's the misunderstanding of the Hebrew language. It's understand misunderstanding of the culture. It's all of these things mixed together that morphed into a trinity. You know, over the years, it started off with God, His Word, and His wisdom. You know, and that that wasn't even close to what they believe today. You know, if you go through history, you can go through all kinds of different. You know the infighting, the agree, the disagreements, and everything. They didn't. They didn't believe in all this co-eternal. I mean, so most of these fathers that were that were around then would be heretics today. You know, Christians would have burned them alive. They wouldn't have made it. You know, they they just wouldn't have made it because they don't believe that. You know, even Turiltarian, who who came up with the, the Trinity, he didn't believe that Jesus was co-equal with the Father. You know, he argued that, and, and he said in the beginning. You know, Christians will say, well, you know. There's a reason why the majority of Christians believe in the Trinity. Well, no, they didn't. The, the majority of Christians in the beginning, even Trinitarians in his statements, he said, they are astonished that we introduce that God is a three-person being, that there's, or that that you know that, that God is multi-personal. They were astonished. These early Christians, they 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 believed in a basically. I'm paraphrasing again, but they believed that God is one and He's a single person. They were astonished that we were bringing up, and the majority of Christians. We're startled at the idea, is what he said. Okay, so even at that time, the majority of Christians were, "Wow, this is crazy." Well, why didn't any of this come up in the Bible? You know, if Jesus had introduced something like this, there would be the same thing. Wow, what are you doing? You know, how dare you take away our Shema? Or how dare you say that God is a three-person being? What is this new teaching that you're bringing? What is this new teaching about a Shalosh or a Trinity God? There is nothing in the Bible, not even a glimpse, not even a sliver, not even a morsel of anything suggesting that anybody had any inkling that God was a trinity and that this was a new belief system. Okay, It's not that it was kept hidden from the Jews in the Old Testament as a revelation. There's nothing in the New Testament either. Nothing. You know, there's nothing. It's riddles patched together. Well, you know, Matthew 28, 19, again... Christians, common sense. Do you really think Jesus would reveal to the Jewish world in a riddle right before he leaves earth at his baptism that now God is a three-person being? For one thing, it doesn't say anything about God being co-equal and co-eternal anywhere in there. And it says in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, Trinitarians believe the Holy Spirit is a third person. I don't. You know, in the, like I said, in the name of me, in the name of my love, in the name of my girlfriend, that's a name, the name of my love. That's not a person. You can say the name of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean it's a separate person, right? The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Just like I can say, you know, uh, me and my girlfriend and our love, right? It's something that unites us. It's a separate thing. It's a separate entity in our sen- in the sentence, but it's not a separate person, right? It's something different. I can say me and my love. Well, my love's, you know, I'm, I'm beside myself, you know, or whatever, me and my love. Well, it's it's not a second person. It's something that I have within me, but it can be without, you know, it can be, I can give it to somebody. I can give my love to my girlfriend or whoever. And that's what God does. He gives his spirit. You know, God gives his spirit to believers. He doesn't give a third person. He doesn't pour a third person out to believers. You know, God gives his spirit to others. And he can divide it. He can divide it into slivers, and you know, he can divide it to people that that believe. He can he can pull it away, just like King David said, "God, don't take your spirit from me." It wasn't "Don't take your third person of the Trinity from me," or you know, Tom, Thomas 
you know, David knew that it was the spirit of God the Father. You know, he's not begging that he could have a little inside say, hey, well, I'm not going to go to the Father. I'm going to talk to the third person of the Trinity. Don't, don't come, don't go away. You know, I, I don't even need to talk to Father anymore. I'm going to talk directly to the Holy Spirit Himself. You know, I don't even need to engage the Father now. This is not even the Father's deal, man. This is, this is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. That's who I need to talk to in order to, to maybe have a little bit of, to, you know, iron things out with the, with the Trinity, you know, with the Trinity and with the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure that I don't, I don't make this third God person angry. You know, and the father, basically, like I said, he gets pushed off. He's, he's, he's becomes irrelevant, really. Father is not the creator. Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity. It's not the father. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are basically two-man show, right? So, so much for the only true God is the father. He's kind of, like I said, the eternal cheerleader. He's, he's, he's cheering Jesus on as he creates and, and uh, while Jesus was in the womb for nine months incubating as the God man getting ready to be hatched outside of his mother that he created, um, God, the father was, I don't know, was he twiddling his thumbs up in heaven or did he take over and was doing kind of a spot check for Jesus and, and was doing the creating, you know, that would make that, that Jesus is not the creator of all things. So, you know, was Jesus the creator of all things? Read Colossians again. Do they talk about birds, rocks, or you and I? Or do they talk about positions of power, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities? You know, what was Paul trying to say? Is the Trinity doctrine blinding you where you can't see what Paul is trying to say? You know, you've got to be very careful because the Bible is very clear. We have but one God, the Father, and the Father is our creator. You know, so, you know, a lot of these things I'm rehashing, I'm going over, and I, I don't have a, a line item, and I probably should, you know, so I don't repeat myself with those same verses. I can go through each verse and I tend to do that later. Maybe I'll delete these and just have a formalized uh, podcast of common sense, but I'll, I'll probably leave these up here. You know, I'll just go through, I'll go through line item in, in a more professional format, still asking questions using common sense, but I'll have the verses right in front of me and I can go through them and just apply common sense. We can, you can use them, you know, common sense for everything. Like John 10, 20, John 8, 58, you know, uh, just John 20, 28, using common sense, you know, basically we'll start off with, did Jesus teach a Trinity? Where? Where? Did Jesus teach that he was God? Where? No riddles, no riddles. How about I'm God? Well, you know, John 8, 58 before Abraham. No, that's not, it's not, that's a riddle. That's not, you know, that's not what a Trinitarian thinks it means anyway. Well, Thomas said Jesus was God. Well, yeah, but he was addressing both God the Father and Christ. You know, he, he wasn't calling Jesus God because how do we know? Because the Bible would have shifted in that direction. You know, the apostles would have picked it up and say, don't you understand Jesus is God in the flesh? This would be throughout the Bible from that point on. It would have taken a dramatic change. Everybody would have been taught it. The gospel would say, you are to believe Jesus is God in the flesh. And he who believes Jesus is God in the flesh is a child of God. You know, it would take a completely different level uh, and it would go in a completely different way. You know, the Bible would take a completely different spin and, and we wouldn't even be having this discussion. It would say right there, Jesus is God. Boom. Three words. Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus came down from heaven as God incarnate. How hard would that be? 
for a Trinitarian to say that. Now, we know for a fact if I took a Trinitarian and teleported one of them back to the time of the apostles, they would have come up with all kinds of amazing analogies and all kinds of amazing stories and, you know, all of these, these ways to make Jesus God. You know, all of these analogies, you know, three this, three that, three loaves of bread, three loaves of bread are one, you know, all kinds of just amazing analogies that I could go, wow, you know, that, that, that's boggles my mind, but it's true because God says it's true. Well, it does boggle my mind, but it's not true because God never says it's true. Jesus never said it was true. The, the apostles never teach it. So it's not only a mystery, it's not in the Bible, right? That's the problem. It would be a mystery and I would have a hard time comprehending it if Jesus taught it and I didn't understand. That's the difference, right? I can't, I wouldn't comprehend God anyway, but God was very clear on how many persons he is. You know, that's a different ballgame. You know, Trinitarians will use presuppositions. They will use little riddles and hints and all these things. It becomes nonsense. You know, the Bible becomes a freak show, a clown show, you know, with painted rosaries and all this other nonsense, you know. Mankind made Jesus God in the Council of Nicaea, a very small fraction of the of the uh, the um, the uh, bishops who showed up, like sixteen percent of them, like twenty four hundred were invited, very few showed up, and after they were done making Jesus God, other bishops disagreed, and they had another vote with more people, and they voted against it, but the bishop, but the bishops were overridden by the Pope, so you know this was decided by men. And it was decided ultimately by the Pope. The Pope doesn't get to decide who God is, and neither do the men. The Jesus, Jesus does and the apostles. You know, this was clearly a departure from Scripture. It was a power grab, you know. And now, you know, look at Caesar. Before, before Jesus was even born, Caesar was made a God by men. So what happened was, is naturally, as Jesus was becoming, uh, you know, a forefront of what these people believed, they were like, well, Caesar's a god. We have to elevate Jesus above Caesar. So Jesus is naturally going to be some type of god man. You know, he's going to be this, this person that has supreme authority. And if they voted to make Jesus or Caesar god, he was made a god after he died. He was declared to be a god. So if, if Caesar was a god, then naturally, what would, you know, Jesus would have to be something far greater. Than Caesar, you know, and it went in a completely different direction. I mean, they they started little, little bit like they give them an inch and they take a mile. They started little by little and little, and pretty soon Jesus went from you know God. Now he's the creator of the universe. They take the KJV in you know in, in John eight eight fifty eight, and and it started off as a small I am in the Greek. It's small, you know, and there were no like I said, there were no lowercase letters in Hebrew or Greek. There were none. It was all uppercase. So for the translator to go out of their way to make John 8.58, when Jesus says it in lowercase, was deliberate. Okay, It was deliberate. If we look at Exodus 3.14, when God says it, or when the angel says it, you know, speaking as God, it's capitals. Okay, They don't remove the restriction. They leave it uppercase. They leave it, I am that I am. Right, But when Jesus says it, like I said, in John 8.58, it's, it's in lowercase. That's deliberate. Okay, Because at the time, the Trinitarians were not trying to catch on to this little riddle that now Jesus has claimed to be the I am. See, now they're, you know, when you talk to a Trinitarian, they will say, Jesus said, I am so many times. I am the light of the world. I am, I am, you know, they capitalize this word. And it's, it's, it's a perversion. It's, it's, 
that's one of the reasons why I am no longer a Trinitarian is not only did I not believe really in the Trinity, but I couldn't defend these lies. It just was, it was just ridiculous. You know, you're just, it's just to the point where it's embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing to have all of these little riddles and they don't even know what they mean. Right. So later in later translations, of course, I am is capitalized now, of course, you know, the perversion of scripture continues and it will continue. You know, it's an increasing level of perversion. Anything they can grab to twist and bend the verse to fit their dogma, they'll do it. You know, it started off as small in the KJV. Oops. You know, now I can see that I am now. we got to make that capitalized. So later versions of the translations of the Bible, I am is capitalized. And so uh, sadly, and unbeknownst to a lot of Christians, they, they read the Bible and they they love Jesus. They love God. But they see this I am and it makes it really pronounced and they go, wow. And, and they, the pastor in church will echo this. Jesus is the I am. And they go, hallelujah. You know, and, and if you and so, you know, I can't tell you how many discussions I've had with Trinitarians that will use this, you know, but they don't look at John 855 right before it. When Jesus says he knows that God, their God, you know, who is supposed to be the I am. And which doesn't work in Hebrew, like I said, but, um, you know, they will make the case that that's Jesus now. And the Bible is very clear. God is not Jesus and Jesus is not God. Jesus is the God of Abraham's servant son. Okay. You're not the God of Abraham's servant son. If you're the God of Abraham, right? The Bible is very clear. Jesus is the God of Abraham's servant son, you know, and a Trinitarian, We'll change this. In the Greek, it says servant son. Okay. It says servant son. They will change that and they'll rip out servant and put son. You know, it's very deliberate. Like in the the red version of the Bible in Revelation 1 8, they removed the word God. They just had Lord in there. You know, they make the red letter version of the Bible, Jesus in Revelation 1 8. Can you believe that? It says he who is to come and from the seven spirits and from Jesus Christ. But they make it. I am the one who is to come, God Almighty, and this is Jesus. That's not. The, the context will clearly show you from the very beginning. The one who is to come is the Father. The one who is to come and from the seven spirits and from Jesus Christ, right? So what they're doing is they're deliberately, a Trinitarian will deliberately twist what the Bible says to fit their dogma. And it's, to me, it's satanic, okay? It's not of God. You have to lie like that, and you have to insert words like First John five seven, and you have to do things that are man- manipulate Scripture. Then you got a problem. You know, when you have to do a lot, when you have to lie, when you have to you have to deviate from Scripture, and you have to make up words to fit a Trinitarian belief system. Then you have a problem. It should flow effortlessly. It shouldn't be a problem. It should just go, you know. And so when you look at when you look at Acts 3, 13, the God of Abraham, and I'm reading the RSV, which I normally, uh, all my versions I read, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up to die to, to princes of Pilate, and when he decided to release him. So they're calling Jesus, he's not the God of Abraham, the I am that I am. He's the servant's son, you know. He, so Satan just goes, oh, wow, no, he's not the servant. He's the I am. This is the insanity and the common sense that I want people to think about. You know, I want think people to think about why is Jesus being called the I am that I am when he's the servant's son? And they will say, well, he, 
he played a role. You know, he was telling us that's not what the Bible teaches. But that, that makes God into a little a, a clown show. You know, God is crying out to another part of himself, you know, with loud crying and tears. And he was rescued for his fear of God or his piety. I mean, come on, you know, God himself was on the cross crying out with loud crying and tears. No, no, God doesn't die. Jesus died. Okay. The Bible doesn't say that God died. The Bible says Jesus died. The Bible says God can't, you can't see his face and live. They saw the face of Jesus. The Bible says you can't see God. No man has ever seen God. They saw Christ. Okay. So when we try to use this and, and try to make Jesus God, we end up in a web of contradiction and confusion. But when we believe Jesus was a man, okay, that's what the Bible says. He's a man. And the Bible says no man can see God. Well, then you can't. He's not God, right? So in my belief system, that's why I'm a Unitarian. I don't like the word Unitarian really. You know, it, it doesn't really it's it doesn't really sit well because the Unitarian Universalist Church basically hijacked it. It was it was a term that people used when they were trying to separate themselves from Trinitarians because they were getting murdered, right? But I don't like the term Unitarian. Who knows what it even means? You know, it's um, Latin or whatever. It's just um, it. Uh, I think that you know, just one God. You know, belief in one God, you know, monotheism is Greek and all that other stuff. It's just um, the belief in one God. God is one. You know, that's 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 as complicated as it gets. God is one. He has a Messiah, a human Messiah. He raised from the dead. Bingo. Boom. Done. There's no mystery. There's no third person in the Trinity. There's no convoluted web of chaos and confusion. You have one God, the Father, just like the Bible says, and one Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Right. Jesus is God's right hand man. So anyway, these are really off-the-cuff conversations. Um, I didn't, like I said, I don't even have the Bible in front of me. I'm driving. I look down sometimes. I'll pop in a verse. But I, I don't have a lot in front of me. I just wanted to talk, um, maybe have people look at things with a little bit of common sense, engage in an interaction, right? You know, basically, just what the scriptures say. Does that make common sense that Jesus would be God Almighty? when the Babylonian king is also referred to as El, E-L, you know, uh, you know, when Jesus teaches the Father is the only true God, does that mean that he's not really telling us the truth, that God is a trinity? Why didn't Jesus tell us? Jesus was here for 33 years. Why didn't he tell us any of this stuff? So with that being said, I think I'm going to end this podcast. Uh, hopefully I will make some more. Um, this will give people some things to think about. Again, focus on the law of agency. Focus on the Shalia. Focus on the reason why God created angels, right? Fo you know, don't contradict yourself when the Bible says no man can see God and live. And the Bible says no man can see the face of God and live. But yet you can see Christ. You know, the first person of the Trinity can't be seen because he dwells in unapproachable light. But the second person of the Trinity, who is fully God and fully man, no problem. You can stare at him directly in the face and even change his diaper. You know, we're talking, this is, this is, uh, that's, that's such something that goes off into the deep end, right? You know, it makes, it makes the Bible into a real convoluted mess. You know, you can't see God and live. You can't, no man has ever seen God or can see God. He sends his Shalia. He sends Jesus. He sends prophets. He sends angels. He does not come down and interact with mankind directly. You know, there's no 
Jesus in in the in Genesis 18. There's no God in Genesis 18. It's angels. The three men who show up, there's no deviation that says two, two angels and a God man. You know, they, two of the men, it says, you know, they don't, any interruption, two of the men go to Sodom and Gomorrah. The third, the third angel, as he said in, Revel, in the book of Genesis, he will tell Mary that she's pregnant. So he's going to pop up later. You know, who knows where he goes? It's not, it, it's really a stretch of the imagination to say it's Jesus, right? Who knows where this angel goes? He can go back to heaven. He can go and do anything. You know, I don't know how, what the duration was between when he met, when these three angels met Abraham and his wife, and when he shows up and tells, you know, tells uh, you know, wife that she's pregnant. I don't know how, what the duration is. I don't have the Bible in front of me, like I said, but um, they're angels. You know, that's that's the consistent message throughout the entire Bible, right? Angels of the Lord are called Yahweh, and that's not because we're calling them God. We understand that they're God's representatives. You know, Trinitarian will always stick. Well, it says that that God God does not share His glory with anybody. You can't call an angel God. That's not what it means. And yes, you absolutely can, because He who sees me sees the Father. You're not calling the angel. You're not understanding that the angel is God Almighty. You're understanding that the angel is is God's representative. And if you disrespect the angel, you disrespect God. You are seeing God in the angel, right? You're seeing who he is, what he's about, what his purpose is, what he represents. You're seeing his works in the angels. You're seeing God, right? It's figurative. Nobody expects to see God in a prophet. Nobody expects that that angel, that's, that's literally God Almighty there as three men, you know, so, I mean, if you look at Genesis, that's a perfect example. You know, if you look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is talking, right? And God says, go forward and talk. And, and I forgot the names. You know, he basically says, he says, um, then the Lord said unto Isaiah, go forth now and meet Ahaz, or Azaz, and thou and, and this guy's name, I can't pronounce it, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool of the highway of the forward field. And then it says, and say unto him, Take heed and be quiet, fear not, neither be fair-hearted, fair for the two tails will be smoke and firebrands, for the fierce angel of Rezanon and Syria, and of the son of Emilia. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Asaz. See, this is the Lord again speaking when he told Isaiah to speak. So it says, the Lord spoke again, and it says, saying, ask the assigned to the Lord thy God, ask it earlier in the depth of the height of of. That's Isaiah 7, 3 to 4, 10 to 11, the KJV. So we see Isaiah being called God. And again, the, the Lord said, well, the Lord didn't say that again. Isaiah did, right? The Lord is, and Isaiah is being called the Lord. That's a perfect example of the Shalia, of a agent. So start on that, Trinitarians. Think about things of what I've said. Use common sense and realize why God created angels and i'll get back on another podcast and i hope you guys enjoy this i hope that you will look at the bible with a little bit of common sense get out your scripture and the next podcast i'll go through line item and i'll have the bible in front of me i won't be driving but i wanted this one to be man to man you know person to person and just have a dialogue and people listen and think about things without reading scripture that sometimes can be very dry Right? I can waste a lot of time reading scripture, but common sense is, is what 
I tried to uh, use here. So again, um, common sense Christianity signing off. God bless you and have a good night.